traveling and like that last week so we've been going for two weeks yeah the first week was basically just trying to travel pretty far each day to get back to yeah. Florida. yeah so if you haven't been following along we just got back from a six-week trip out west and now we're back home east is the beast <laughs> it's gonna be back in the south i'll tell you that man yeah the rest of the country was super beautiful but the south is the hospitality so high we actually like humidity the humidity is so high I was we love say. humidity you get used to it you get used to just sweating all the time it <laughs> makes warm-ups way more convenient Does. i will say that your skin is constantly dewy <laughs> <laughs> no but it's good to be back and we were busy of course when we got back so we're back on top of it though right yeah man kids got a big tournament coming up next week yeah uh, the kids should be have a lot of fun Pan American Championships in Jiu-Jitsu. That's right, which is basically the world championship for kids because there is no official world championship at the kid level, so Pan's is Worlds. Oh, yeah. I'm not nervous. Are you nervous? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be fun, man. I mean, regardless, as always, it's going to be a great learning experience for the kids. It's the same mindset that we always want to portray to everybody else and allow everybody to kind of pick up on and run with. It's our mindset, which is if you're giving it your absolute best, you're training your best... And you're not focusing on the win or the loss, but you're focused on just being a warrior, you'd be good to go. Yeah, for sure. All right, so what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about some muscles. That's right, some muscles. A little bit of muscles. Now, here's the funny thing. I was definitely not born with muscles, right? <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of crazy as we kind of chat into this one. Uh, it took a lot of time for me to figure out how to have kind of like any aesthetic progress yeah for yeah. sure and you'll find different athletes are just naturally going to be good at different things i was uh good at leaving the volume on whenever we record I can't believe you. <laughs> um so i was naturally good at ding i was good <laughs> at uh building strength it was something that was easier for me but building like a hypertrophy or a leanness or a hardness or whatever that actually took me a lot a lot a lot of training a lot of practice and understanding and research and trying and yeah you've else. been trying for a lot of years that's yeah. for sure it took me a lot of years in order to be able to change the aesthetics which i feel super fortunate with because it taught me how to teach anybody how to help them grow muscle yeah so like i don't what was the final you know nail in the coffin that you were like okay this is it yeah so it's a great question so we spent like kind of the first two uh series in this mini series of talking about strength and when you're really good at building strength like we talked about that means you have very good neural control of this kind of multi-joint compound movement right. if i'm gonna you know pick something up in the back of, or sorry, pick something up to put it in the back of a truck. I'm going to hinge at the waist. I'm going to hinge at the knees. I'm going to hinge at the ankles. Uh, hopefully I get my back nice and flat. I'm going to have to bring my hands underneath, whatever that is. I'm going to have to kind of squeeze my chest at the same time, flex your biceps, flex your upper back. You're going to work all of this just to stand up, right? All of these muscles are going to kind of work together like a symphony. Yeah. Got right. It. Uh-huh. And so when you're building a a muscle it's nothing like a symphony and it's much more like working on the 
individual, you know, violinist that sits in the strings. Got you, got right? you, yeah. Uh-huh. And so the reason why it was so hard for me is my body was really good at running the symphony or the orchestra, but it wasn't really good at like stopping and being able to highlight an individual player inside of that orchestra uh-huh, yeah. and build that up. Okay, got you. So, but how did you change? And realize that and then actually grow your muscle because you would do individualized movements. Yep. I mean, you did bicep curls for years now. So what (laughs) changed that? (laughs) Yeah, man. So um, I would say like one of the best resources I think out there for this is uh, Ben Pakulski, right? Um, He is the one who I went down to Tampa and did some learning from him and uh, tried to take what he taught and what Joe Bennett taught and really kind of apply it to like our mindset with not only a hypertrophied muscle, but a condition and a strong muscle as well, okay, right? Yeah, gotcha. And so the way that we'll explain it here is when you're building muscle, you really are thinking about building up the individual um, instrumentist in the orchestra. You want to work on one individual muscle. Now, here's the deal with that. When you train really specifically for hypertrophy, you actually cause dysfunction. Okay, yeah. Right. I mean, that makes sense if you're just focusing on one muscle. That's exactly it. Because then when you go to do a multi-joint movement, if all you focused on is like your biceps, like they're going to burn out really quick. Right. Right. right? Yeah. So when you're doing hypertrophy work, you're going to specifically and on right regularly cause dysfunction. So you want to mix in all of your hypertrophy work with multi-joint compound stuff strength building like yeah we already that talked makes about, sense right? should you do that is there a specific time in your workout like after the yeah work? great question so again depends on what the individual's goals are but since we're going to talk about like training a hybrid athlete we'll kind of address it from that point of view right if you're down in more of a niche part of fitness where you're just specifically trying to just be a bodybuilder or something along those lines maybe you do this a little differently so let's talk about this from the kind of overall hybrid athlete here that is strong, looks good, and is conditioned. So for that athlete, um, we are going to assume that that athlete is not on performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah, okay. Right, Mm because that's very important to how you train. If you already have performance-enhancing drugs, you don't have to or have the need as much to solicit this hormonal response that's going to tell your body to change. Okay, yeah, I got you, yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, you and I were chatting about this the other day, but if you just walk in and all you do is bicep curls and you're not on PEDs, you're not on all the right stuff, if you just walk in and do bicep curls, that's all you do, it's probably not going to be a big enough systemic stressor on your body to cause your body to have great change. Okay, yeah. Right? Uh Uh-huh. So you want to do the bicep curls, but you want to do them after you've done stuff that tells your body that you're in a big fight. Okay, like when you're real fatigued. Right. Not necessarily, yes, real fatigued is a good way to say it, but let's just say really challenged from a nervous system level. Oh, okay, from a nervous system level. From a nervous system level, because all of our stress, everything is still just comes down to our perception. So you're saying even if you don't feel tired or exhausted, you maybe could have taxed your nervous system. For sure. And one of the best ways to do it, so like the first question you asked is like, when should you do it? Well, 
we think the best way to go about it is you go in and you have either some kind of strength or some kind of speed dominant challenge, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So whether that's an absolute strength or it's more of a speed strength like we talked about before or maybe even an explosive strength, but something that's going to require a little bit more of your entire body first doing something at a high capacity. Now, that could be a high intensity. And when we say high intensity, I don't mean breathing hard. Uh-huh. I mean a high percentage of your one rep max. I got you. Right? Yes. So yes. like, let's say we'll just call it upper body. Let's say we want to build bigger arms. So we go in and before we think about our arms, we're doing either like a one rep max for a pull up or a three rep max for a pull up. Something that's going to require all of these upper body pulling muscles to be challenged at a high level or maybe a one rep max or three rep or six rep or whatever bench press something that's going to be challenging at a high strength level all of these upper body muscles got you does that make sense yes, it does. so that would be like strength oriented first speed could be uh, again let's say a percentage 60 ish 70 ish percentage moving the bar as fast as you can again it's going to challenge it like on a bench press it's going to challenge you to make your body say i'm doing something that's so aggressive i need to systemically change okay got you does that make sense yeah that does make sense okay so that's kind of the first part that you're doing is you're soliciting an adaptation from your body yes and even if you're on peds the best powerlifting gym on the planet west side barbell still runs a very similar approach to this Hmm. so even if you was on like you know walking around with a gallon of testosterone just (laughs) pouring it in your veins all day you still should probably start with the big symphony of movement first. Got you. For males and females. Absolutely. Maybe even more so for females. Got it, yeah. Right? Because females naturally are going to have much lower testosterone levels. And so when they tell their body that it's going to do these big challenging conquering tasks, their bodies actually tend to respond really great to that. Ah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it makes sense because before we started the gym... I would do like lightweights, but it would be such a light dumbbell and right. you would kind of see a little bit of muscle, but nothing like what we can see now. For sure. And so let's say there's three ways to do that first part. You can have high intensity, which would be like we said, a high percentage of what you're capable of doing. Yeah. Or you could have a high speed challenge, which is still going to be 60 ish percent moving the bar as fast as possible you also could have a high volume challenge Mm, okay yeah right and so there's nothing wrong with using a little bit lighter weights at times to do as many reps as possible something like that right something that's going to challenge so you have high strength you have high speed and you have high volume right but you don't want to do one of those all the time you don't want to do one of those all the time you don't want to do all of those together right yeah right so doing something along those lines is what's going to really help your body go holy crap we fight for a living we better get stronger we better get faster we better get more muscle the reason you said not to do all three at one time is that just for injury sake or for your body's recovery or for what just because it's stupid (laughs) the answer is e all of the above okay that's correct right so snap snap is one of those reasons uh feeling just so mentally fatigued neurologically endocrine just wiped out like you don't feel like you want to go back to the gym Mm. wasting all of your resources when and when i say that is like you want to train in a way that makes your body say i need to change once you've told your body to change doing a whole lot more is not really going to be beneficial because it's just going to delay your recovery 
Got you. True. Yeah, I yeah, say that because, you know, sometimes, well, I don't know, probably not you, but you, like, feel really good in mm. the gym, and you just want to, like, do everything that day. For sure. Not a good call, right? <laughs> you know what? It's not a bad call. I would say that, like, on some of the days when you feel like doing more, maybe you can do a little bit more. Probably not every possible thing you can think of, but if you're feeling great, do a little more. If you're not feeling as great, do a little less. Yeah. Okay. I do think that's okay. Just I, oh, don't overdo it. I think so. Yep. All the time. Yep. And if you are going to overdo it, we'll talk about where to overdo it on the back half of when you go in to work out, right? Like oh, what that looks like. I want to hear about that. Yeah. <laughs> so the big movements are the ones that generally are going to cause the injury, right? Yeah. At least the big injuries. Right. They're not necessarily the main proponents of tendonitis, which we can talk about next, right? Huh. So when you start getting tendonitis, that easily could be you doing hypertrophy training. And so we'll look at that. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, kind of next. So if I want bigger arms, bigger biceps, right? And this was my reality, trying to get bigger arms for a long period of time. Well, if I just go over and do the pull-ups, right, and I am and I have the ability to have a high level of strength in pull-ups, well, maybe my arms get bigger or maybe my nerves are better at controlling the muscle I have. Maybe my nerves are good at going, the biceps aren't that strong, transfer a little bit more load to oh, the back, yeah, yeah. transfer a little bit more load to the lats, right, to all of your rotators on your upper back, to the traps, like transfer some of this to a muscle that's stronger, right? right? So when you're just training for your strength, if your goal is to get your chin over the bar, who cares? Your body doesn't care. It's trying to get its chin over the bar. It's not normally going to go, oh, okay, well, I'm really interested in training my biceps, so instead of getting my chin over the bar, I'll just flex my bicep a little bit more. Yeah. Right? So when you're looking at strength, focus on strength. That's good. Let your body actually communicate in a way that it challenges from all of the muscles it can. Right. And so when you say strength, sometimes it may not be a super high number because you want to work that specific muscle. For sure. So like, for instance, I'm just thinking of myself, <laughs> like my legs, my hamstrings aren't as strong, so I could deadlift, but I would deadlift with my back and you lower that weight Right. for strength, right? Right. And so that was a positional strength thing for sure, okay. right? So like the question to make it probably even more clear is you were able to deadlift at a higher weight in a different position, but that position, which is great, we'll talk about next, wasn't in the line of force to focus more on your hamstrings and quads. Okay. Right? So as we get to hypertrophy training here next, it'll probably make even more sense to answer that gotcha. question, right? So definitely. So how do you train the muscle? So remembering that it's not the symphony, now you're focusing on the individual muscle at this point, right? right? And so like, what are the benefits? Even if you want only to get stronger, should you still do individual muscle training? Yes. And I think, yeah, absolutely, exactly, <laughs> right? Because the stronger that your biceps are, when I turn back around and I work strength training, now as I have stronger biceps, they'll be able to better back up. Right all of the other muscles on that weighted pull-up. And isn't that also good for injury? You want to have a balanced, Absolutely. A balanced body? Absolutely. The more balance, the less injury, for sure. So when we're looking at hypertrophy, so we'll say, we're going to kind of throw a couple terms out here and then we'll revisit these. So we're looking at stability. We're looking at line of force, a.k.a. what's the focus. Okay. We're looking at end ranges, and then we're looking at intensity and volume. Got it. All right? So let's just take a bicep. 
Stability is the maybe the most important piece to naturally cause the dysfunction you want. And what I mean by the dysfunction you want is if you take a dumbbell, right? Everybody take your imaginary dumbbell right now and you hold it in your hand by your side and you're gonna do a curl. Look at your elbow and only flex at your elbow. So now you're only doing a curl with your bicep. That's right, Jess and I are actually We're sitting doing here. It. <laughs> We're doing it together right now. So the, the stability that you need is whenever you curl right there at that elbow, you need to make sure that none of the rest of your arm is moving. Yeah. Because when the rest of your arm is moving, you're naturally taking tension out of that bicep to get the task done, which is pulling that dumbbell up. Mm, okay. Right? Mm -hmm. So you don't want to pull the dumbbell up. You want to challenge your bicep. So you have to stabilize the shoulder in a way that says when I go to curl this bicep the only thing that's going to move is this bicep yeah right and that's why this causes dysfunction to strength mm. because your body would rather just get the dumbbell to your shoulder right. than it would just work the bicep that makes right sense. Yeah. so this was probably my number one problem in training for hypertrophy before was my body was like nah playboy here's what's going to happen we're going to get that dumbbell up. <laughs> I don't care so much about whether the bicep does it, the shoulder does it, right. whether your oblique does it. <laughs> I don't care how you do it. We're going to get it up. Oh my gosh. So one of the first things that you should do for stability's sake is drop your weight way down uh, on yeah. all your hypertrophy work. Yeah. So you answered my question. That's right. So drop your weight way down. Take a look at the muscle that you're training. And now you move on next and say, does this match the line of force? for the muscle that I want mm. to flex, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So again, if we take a bicep and we look down, well, you got a couple different bicep muscles in quotes, right? So like you, if you Google these things, you can look at them. So if your hand is like in a hammer curl position, thumb just pointing up like you're hitchhiking, that's one part of a muscle. Yeah. If you turn your thumb to the outside, that supinated position, that's a little bit different part of your bicep. If you turn your hand all the way over and curl, that's even a different part of your arm, right? Yeah. So each one of these are going to be a different line of force, meaning the weight in my hand, if I were to draw a line from the weight in my hand up to the muscle, that's the muscle I'm going to work. Okay, that's right? totally, yeah, makes sense. For sure. So if we take something else, let's say we're going to take a bench press and we're going to use a bench press for not just strength on this one, but for hypertrophy. Uh -huh. If I grab that barbell and I start to lower it down, and the barbell, as you, as you draw a line back to your body, is pointing at your shoulder, mm. then that's what you're going to use. If I pull my elbows up higher to the outside and make kind of what looks like a compromised bench press position, a little bit more of like a 90 degree bend, and you look at your hand, your hand's going to come down now through your elbow, across your shoulder, into your pec, and now you're going to see that your line of force on that bench press is in your pec. Mm, interesting. Right? What about for a squat? Same? Great, Low bar, high great bar? Great question. Great question. So if, again, there's kind of uh, two ways that we can look at hypertrophy movements. Some of those are going to still be big supplemental movements like a bench press right. or a squat. Yeah. Right? And then some of those are going to be much more isolated movements like a, a dumbbell fly or a quad extension. Okay, yeah. Okay, so we did the big strength stuff already. 
Now we're moving down. The next kind of tier that we're looking at from line of force is, are we doing kind of a supplemental lift, which would be something like elevated heel squat yeah. or an elbow out bench press at a lighter weight or a narrow grip bench press or something like yeah, that? Got it. Yeah. Or are we doing quad extensions mm-hmm. and are we doing pec flies? Right. Yeah. So both of those are still hypertrophy movements. Both of them could still be strength movements, but the focus here is your hypertrophy. So you want to get a line of force that's lining up with the muscle that you want. So you asked about squats, right? Well, if you're trying to train your quads, right? Was that the question? Quads? Well, it's always glutes. Right? (laughs) Glutes. Glutes are... All right. I'm going to be controversial here. There are better movements to train your glutes than squats. I know. Right? Um... If you low bar it and you really sit back into your squat and you're really challenging against the glute and then as you start to come out of that 90 degrees and you really focus on bringing your glute forwards, bringing your glute forward, then you're definitely going to get a decent glute challenge for that. But it's not a great supplemental or isolation movement, but it is a great initial movement to help make sure that you get that systemic change. Okay. Yeah. Right. And the problem is, is the line of force. Right. Because when you go to squat, as soon as you start to get, uh, as soon as you start to squat your way down and actually sit back into position, everything else, depending on where that bar's at, depending on what your ankle mobility is, depending on what your foot position is, it's hard to say whether you're actually really challenging your glutes mm, at that point. Yeah, okay. Right? Now, generally, people that low bar squat and sit back into their squat are going to have more developed glutes than somebody that high bar squats yeah feet closer more quad oriented like an olympic lifter exactly like bigger quads that's right and they're going to definitely have like a solid quad squat on somebody like an olympic right right yeah Yeah. compared to a power lifter most of the time your power lifter is going to have a bigger butt but not necessarily because your olympic lifter could have pretty big butt oh yeah pools they definitely have yeah big big uh, that's right butts but definitely big quads too right and so if you're really trying to build your butt get your line of force down so to answer your question on squats if you're saying let's say we're working a quad well how would you work the quad this would be i'm going to try to explain this so it makes the most sense as people are mentally visually looking at this right if you look at somebody from the side and you look right on the top of their body as their head and all the way down underneath them is their feet. You're just looking at them sideways. Uh-huh. Their body is stacked with a perfect line of force right there. Yep. All the bones are stacked on top of each other. As you start to bend a joint, whichever joint is moving furthest away from that natural line is going to be the muscle that's being challenged the most. Uh-huh. Right? Yep. So... If now I take that person, I'm looking at them sideways, and I put their heels up onto some kind of platform, now what happens is because I took some of the ankle mobility out, as they start to lower themselves and their knees can push really far forward and their butt can stay close to their heels. So basically, the ankle and the butt and the low back all the way up to the top of the head are almost in line yeah. and the knees are very far forward, right. that's going to be very quad-oriented squat. 
right? Right. So that would be a great supplemental movement to build up your quads. Okay, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. And so inversely, I can build up the hamstrings and the glutes by sitting back into box squats, dropping the bar down my back. So again, as you draw that line from the head to the heels, what's going to be really far back is going to be the glutes and therefore that's going to help challenge the glutes mm. and the hamstrings on something like a box squat. Yep, that right? makes sense, yeah. Um, another way to do it, if you want to work your hamstrings, is instead of doing the heel elevated, you toe elevate, Oh gosh. right? And then do something like RDLs. So again, now you're going to put a ton of force pushing back. Your line of force is going to match up. Yeah. So whatever is being challenged, that's why, again, if we go back to the bicep curl, and we're looking at somebody from the side and they have their head up top and their heels below and their arms are sitting like right next to them and what's curling straight up only at the bicep as the elbow stays in place is the bicep right it's only curling up and coming back down then what you're going to see is that the bicep is the line of force and that line of force is going to naturally mean that you're going to work your you're biceps. Working that. That's cool. Right. Yeah, that's a good, easy way to remember it. Perfect. So then comes your focus, right? Yeah. So you set your line of force up. Your focus really means that you stabilize the joint that you want to work with the other joints. And you move at first slow enough to make sure what you're contracting is the muscle that you want yeah and then that muscle is in line with the force and when i say in line with the force i mean whatever you're holding in your hand or sitting on your back or whatever that that dumbbell is pointing at the muscle that's moving it and the reason why that's so important is because when we do especially with hinge joints like our elbows and knees when we do movements that aren't tracking in the line of force this is where we get high tendonitis Oh, really? Right. So, like, imagine you're doing a bicep curl, except instead of being a straight line from your bicep down to your hand, it's kind of, like, canted too far out, or it's canted over sideways, or an even better example, the one that makes the most sense, is if you walk over and you're going to do triceps, Yeah. and you grab, like, the little V, the upside-down V bar, Yeah. you grab that, when you come down and straighten your arms, your elbows and shoulders are going to have to move out of a stable position in order to allow your arms to go fully straight. If they're not moving out of position, then as you're driving down, your elbows go through a range that's not really a a well-oiled range, and that causes tendonitis. Hmm. So I know a lot of people um, get tendonitis playing sports or... You know, just random stuff. What's that about? It's just they're doing things that they're not in. Yeah, so a lot of tendonitis uh, comes from sport. Exactly. Just from, like, using muscles in, in different positions that aren't perfectly aligned for that muscle. So that's basically impossible to fully avoid yeah. if you have repetitive sports. But the best way to avoid it is to do a lot of lightweight, in-range movements with those muscles that will help build up the tendon density huh, as well. Very cool. Yeah, because tendons don't have a lot of blood flow. So it takes a whole lot of reps at a lighter weight to get the blood into the area to help build those tendons up. Okay, off topic. I mean, on topic, but kind of off topic. All the topics. All the topics. So, for instance, like my dad got tendonitis in his elbow from working outside. For sure. Is that because he hasn't built up those tendons and then he did something to like... Exactly. His tendons 
his muscle was strong enough to get the job done, yeah. but his tendons were underdeveloped from not using it as much. So when he used the muscle a whole bunch, the muscle's getting stronger and it's doing what it's supposed to do, except it's pulling on those attachment points uh, yeah. causing tendonitis. And tendonitis is just, is that inflammation? Yeah, that's exactly it. So what happens is your muscle slowly comes down and there's a transition period where it turns from muscle to kind of muscle tendon. It's kind of a hybrid. And then down into fully tendons and the tendons kind of tie into your bones like Gulliver's travel. If you remember where they tied down Gulliver, like all these little <laughs> spider webs of ropes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't remember that, do you? No, but I'm just imagining. Somebody Google Gulliver's travel out there. And, and what happens is Gulliver gets tied down by like all these little tiny humans. <laughs> and so there's all these ropes that are tying them down. The same thing's true for how your Like a spider tendons, web? Like a spider web that ties into your muscle, ties into what's called your parosteum, right? And so it ties into that area. And what happens is tendonitis sometimes is you're working it a whole bunch and some of those little tiny ropes pop oh, you won't feel it they're just little tiny pops little tiny pops so your body's like oh that's not good so it brings in some inflammation to heal that up huh. but if you spend enough time building your tendons up then those connection points get stronger and stronger and now it gets very hard to hurt your tendon okay so if you have tendonitis, then should you just do a lot of light reps then? Or like, that's a great what question. What should you do? So start and say, why am I having tendonitis? Right? There's a great chance that some of the big muscle movements that you're doing or the hypertrophy stuff you're doing, that you're not paying attention to the line of force and you're mm. challenging your joints in a position that's slightly out of position. You know what's funny about that? You don't have to whisper. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of Ninja Warrior people, I've heard, mm. get that. So they're doing, a, I mean, obviously they have to. That's it. They're using their muscles in a lot of out of position. But uh. if they built those individual muscles up and those individual tendons up, they definitely would have less tendonitis. Or like rock climbers. Rock climbers, are they get a ton of tendonitis early, and then it gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And they're just amazing. And they are kind of like superhumans Gosh, when it comes to really grip are. and elbow tendon strength yeah. unbelievable okay yeah cool yeah rock climbers definitely have ridiculous elbow tendon strength it's it's cool so line of force is important make sure that the muscle is lined up with the weight that you're using and that brings us to end ranges right and so what are end ranges well if we look at our muscle flexing from our arm we'll go to the bicep completely straight to our hand coming all the way up it makes kind of an arcing pattern it's uh -huh. like a rainbow right uh -huh. Well, both ends of the rainbow, coincidentally, is where you find the pots of gold, <laughs> right? It's where you find the hypertrophy pots of gold as well. We are really strong in that middle range. Yeah. So if you go over, you find like, you grab a kid and you're like, hey, can you curl that dumbbell? Yeah. Right? It's like a little five pounder or whatever. And you grab like a little kid. First thing they're going to do when they try to curl it is they will not make their arm perfectly straight. <laughs> no. They will kind of cant the elbow back. They will get it past that first third range. Yeah. They'll be in that middle range. They'll curl up and they won't quite finish to the end range. Yeah. Because everybody has really strong middle range muscles, huh. but the end ranges are not very strong for most of us. And that coincidentally, not coincidentally, <laughs> causation wise, <laughs> the end ranges is where everybody's stiff and tight. Really? And the reason you're tight is because your body goes, I'm not strong there. I'm not going there. Huh. So if you lack mobility, say in like 
the splits, that's because of weakness in the end range? Quite often it's weakness in the end range. Interesting. And if you build up your strength in those end ranges, you challenge that, you'll you very often find that your mobility gets much better in that. Yeah, I mean, I already, you've done that with me. I can already see a huge that's difference. Right. That's right. Interesting. Yep. So the end ranges is where most of the muscle gains actually are going to come from. So like, again, you remember the little V tricep extension we yep. talked about? The little thing that just looks like a 45 degree bend that hooks to a cable? Yeah. So if we know that straightening our arms all the way down causes us to get out of our line of focus and causes us to then have to kind of rotate our elbows and shoulders and lose stability, don't use that piece of equipment for the bottom range of that exercise. Mm. Use it for the top range, the top of that rainbow. Yeah. High up by your shoulders, press down to about 90 degrees, and bring it back up. Yeah. So that's the range that you'd use for that. Then if you wanted to work the end range of your your triceps, you could easily get like a straight bar, scoot your hands out a little bit, start at 90, and press it all the way down to a straight arm at that point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, again, if you go and use that straight bar and you bring it all the way up, you might have to move your wrist a little bit yeah. or something else, yeah. right? So, figuring out on your isolation movement specifically how to challenge those in ranges will drastically change how much your muscle's going to grow. Wow. Right? Yeah. So most of your strength stuff that you do when you go do your first strength movement in the beginning of your workout, your body's naturally going to use the mid ranges of all your muscles. Yeah. Right? Like when you go to do a squat, a squat's a perfect example. What's the difference between a squat and a good morning? Your back or your... Yeah, because the back can stay f perfectly flat yeah. on both of those, oh, right? Yeah. So the difference is a good morning... The, the, mo the uh, range of motion? That's right. So a good morning is the end range for your hamstrings. Golly. All you do to get out of a good morning is True. shift your knees forward, come back to the middle ranges, and now you're doing a squat. Yeah. Right? So what's the end range for your quad? It's an elevated heel with your butt up nice and close, right? Yeah. So the opposite of a good morning... Is an elevated heel squat. Huh. So what is the middle ranges of both of those? A squat. A squat. <laughs> That's right. Funny. So work your in ranges when you're doing your supplemental movements and when you're doing your isolation stuff. And last would be intensity and volume, right? So we can kind of come close to closing out this whole thought process on building strength and muscle with this. Once you have good stability of the joint that you want to work, once you're working the line of focus, right, the force is pointing at the muscle that you want to use or the dumbbell rather is pointing or the cable or whatever it is you're using is pointing at the muscle that you want to flex then you're focusing on flexing that muscle by stabilizing that joint you're working the end ranges once you get all of that down then you can start working on heavier weights Got and you. a whole lot more reps okay but heavier weights and more reps don't do anything for you when as soon as you start to lift, you compromise all these starting points right. and just use your entire body right. to build something up. So focus on the top three things first. Bingo. Once those are checked off, then you can increase intensity and volume. That's right. That's right. And your intensity and volume. Or will, volume could be increased. Yeah, I mean, I guess like you said, yeah, that's exactly. exactly it. Yeah. And the reason why volume wouldn't be shot up a whole lot early is your energy system in that muscle. Yeah. That's right. Might I know not, that from experience. That's right. It might not be caught up enough to do the what's being asked of it. Right. Right? And so then sense. you end up using a different muscle and you actually develop poor patterns for trying to train that muscle. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's so cool. That's it. That's kind of it in a nutshell. So what happened for me was I really figured out how to train and stabilize a joint um, and focus on those areas. And then I was able to increase intensity and volume. And then I got dramatically stronger bigger biceps i got dramatically stronger on all of the other stuff as well (laughs) no yeah right because i had stronger muscles that could work together and the last thought is what about recovery what about it how important is it it's the most yeah and so like for you what's a what's one tenet of recovery that you focus on uh sleep sleep (laughs) that's the most important guys it's the it's more important than food i know that sounds crazy but it's more important than food because it's where your body's going to actually do the most of repairing, right? Absolutely. And yeah. so we said sleep and then... Eating, for sure. Making definitely. sure for myself, definitely eating enough protein. Got to get the protein. Got to get, get the, the resources in. Absolutely. That's right. Yep. Sleeping, eating, mobility. Yep. And I think one of the biggest things that's overlooked is is my nervous system switching over to recovery. Oh, yeah. Right? That's true. So you get in the gym and you take some pre-workout. You get pure sympathetic. You're up in there. You're going ham. You're going, you're going I'm going to crush these weights. Right. Right? You're killing it. Then you're done working out. How long should you wait to start recovering? You want to recover as soon yeah, as possible. right away. Right? That's it. So some breathing patterns and different stuff. Yeah, breathing is great. Huge. Breathing, hot and cold treatments. Oh, yeah, I love that too. A little bit of meditation, some music. Like a lot of times, one of the first things that we'll do when we leave the gym is we'll just play like soothing music. Yeah. Start getting yourself to relax. Another thing that we've been doing for the past month now is turning off our TV. Yep. Making sure it's fairly dark. And then we'll read. Helping your body. Uh, your by brain. the way, we mean at nighttime when going to sleep. Oh, what did I say? <laughs> we leave the gym. We shut oh, off the no. TV. Yeah, sleep. for for sleeping wise, I've noticed on my Fitbit huge. that it is a huge difference to turn off. You know that the blue light. You don't want to have all that in your eyes when you sleep. That's it. And guys, y'all want Jess to get sleep because she's kind of like Princess Fiona. She gets a little Shrekish when she. I have enough to sleep. have my sleep. <laughs> it's important. Very important. You said it. Yeah. So. Letting your nervous system reset, good sleep, yeah. good food. Absolutely. Those could be more important than training your muscle appropriately. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You ready to finish this out with something fun? Let's do it. Let's have some fun. All right. Okay. What makes you feel most alive? I am just a little bit of adrenaline junkie. So anything that, that seems a little scary, I'm into, I'm into that. Ugh. How about you? I don't know. Not that. Coffee? I'll have a cup of joe and watch you guys jump out of the planes. (laughs) Uh, You know what? It's changed since we've had kids. I was like that. Then I have kids and now they want to do exactly what you want to do. And that just puts me in a nervous wreck. Yeah. You accidentally created two uh, adrenaline junkies as well. Stresses me out. Okay. What's your most favorite book you have read? Well, that's going to be the Bible, first and foremost, for sure. But by man's hands, what would be my favorite book? Hmm. Man, I've read so many. I would say... Didn't you just read a great one? Uh, you just finished one. you talking about that, the Case for Faith? That one or... That one, but there was one on the road that you listened to oh, that you told my brother about. Man, I'm drawing a blank. I can't even remember <laughs> what, what book that was now. Let me think. Oh, um... What was it? You know what? I'm going to pull it up on this phone right now. (laughs) 
My most favorite book. That I've, was a good book. I've read is The Dirty Genes. That's a great book if you want to read about epigenetics and how you can actually turn genes on and off for health. Yeah, it's pretty wild, right? Ridiculous, crazy. What what do you what do you feel like is uh, like one of the biggest takeaways from that? I think one of the biggest takeaways is to really understand that food matters. You know, yeah. I loved just snacking before and eating different candies and stuff like that, but truly what you put in your body food-wise and what you surround yourself with chemically-wise right. does affect your genes. 100%. And so you can be the healthiest version of yourself. Absolutely. Regardless of what your family history is, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, man. I mean, in fact, there's like so much change that can happen. Yeah. yeah. Did you find the book? I did. It's The, the Obstacle is the Way. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a pretty neat book. It's uh, it's on like stoicism and, and really kind of modern day what that looks like in your life. Mm. Do you want more kids? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> well... That's a great question. I am super uh, stoked about our kids and working in them in their lives. Someday when they get older, maybe we'll adopt some kids. You know, yeah, that or I was thinking like I would love to coach or do mm. something with kids when we get older. Yeah, we love working with kids for sure. I think for me, uh, I'm digging the current level of responsibility and commitment that we have to them for sure. You do. You love this age. You always say that. <laughs> Buy a pool or a hot tub? Both. What? What was your question? <laughs> Would you rather buy a pool or a hot tub? You said that so fast. I thought you said bipolar or a hot tub. <laughs> buy a pool or a hot tub. Uh, yeah, man. You know what? When uh, we end up building a house or something at some point, I want us to build that cold plunge too. That uh, like one you just jump in and just fall like 12 feet down and come back creepy, up. Kind of creepy, but yeah. 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 All right. Um, we got to finish with like one more Comedy or documentary? No, comedy. Really? I thought you would say documentary. Well, I mean, is this to go to sleep? Is this... This uh, is just this. Just this. Man, if, I, if I'm on an airplane, it's a comedy. Anywhere else, maybe a documentary. <laughs> oh. What about you? Comedy. Uh, I don't know. You love a documentary. Me? I love a good documentary. Yeah. I love a good documentary. A house divided. <laughs> All right. What was the last show you uh, binge watched? The last series? Um, it was that one with Chris Pratt. What was that called? Um, The Terminalist. Yeah, that was a good book. Written by, uh, written by a seal. I can't remember his name. So it's pretty neat because it stays decently true to form on like all tactical movements and like what stuff looks like. There's a little bit of Hollywood as always, but I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. All right, let's go do some jiu-jitsu. Let's do it. All right, time to roll. JB squared. Out. Oh.